Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Biking Brokers with your host, Miles Romney and Chris Merrill. Thank you, Miles. We are here for another great one. I am probably more excited about this one than a few of them just because I know Jordan so well. And wow, background. You just some people. So I am equally excited for all of the podcast. Let's be clear. So. Uh, that's all right. People like to throw shit at me all the time. So I got to dish it back every now and then. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We just talked about this. <laughs> hey, we can, we can call them out. We can, um, we can agree, Chris, you are the more outgoing, funny one. And I am the more techie one. And, and I think people understand that it's okay. I'm glad. Let's just randomly call some of those past guests and see how they feel about this. <laughs> um, sure. I got speed dot. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Well, We'll, uh, we'll backtrack here a little bit. Nope. But we're grateful, Jordan, to have you on here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll, uh, we'll ask you our infamous, famous question to get us started. But tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you're doing, all that fun stuff. Sweet. So, yeah, I am Jordan Steve Bogard I. I live in Draper, Utah. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Erica, and we have four kids together. And so uh, I'm obsessed with my kids. So my oldest is Sawyer. He's 12. And then I've got Annie. She's nine. Jane is seven. And Max is three. And so everything I kind of do is for them. But if I'm not working or spending time with the family, I am mountain biking. So I'm stoked to be on this podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, work-wise, I've been in the payroll and HR space for a long time. I ran ADP small business division for a number of years, uh, opened up three states for Heartland Payroll and HR, started my own payroll company. And then I merged with Eddie HR about a year and a half ago. And I just love working with small to mid-sized clients. It's been awesome. Oh, that's great, great background. And you kind of stole my segue there because that's, I think, one of the reasons I'm most excited to have you on today is, is given your background in, in the different companies you've worked with and kind of the payroll, HR, IS scene and kind of been around. And so we're looking forward to some of your insights and some of the things you've seen recently going on. But um, I'll start off though. So we got to ask, you know, what's your favorite biking story? But first I have to ask you, because I think I saw a picture of one of your kids on your mountain bike on one of those like frame seats and they hang out of the handlebars with you. How is that experience? Um, let's just say it makes mountain biking about 10 times harder, especially if your kid's like thicker. So <laughs> my youngest is uh, a tank. He probably weighs like 45 pounds. And so I'll still do the same old trails we do on a regular basis out here in Draper because it's in my backyard. But uh, just imagine throwing a 45 pound pack on your back that wobbles and wiggles around and moves and screams <laughs> and cries and gets excited at the same time. Um, but it's, it's awesome. It's super fun to have him on the rides. So I love it. Okay, I don't so think... Sorry about Chris. Okay. So does Erica mountain bike? I wish Erica mountain bike. Okay. So uh, has Erica ever seen you actually mountain bike? Cause I'm trying to put a connection here as to your wife allowing you to take like <laughs> you, your 45 pound son down rush on your back. I don't think she understands what you're actually doing. I wish we could pull up the picture miles. You'll have to show him, but, uh, no, it's actually pretty cool. Um, it's a true seat and they sit in between you and the handlebars. Okay. And then they have leg posts that they can actually like, they don't clamp on, but it has a little, like a rubber strap. So then they put their foot in it, it holds them on there pretty good. But they're kind of wedged between your legs and then between your arms. And so as you're pedaling down the hill, 
you have pretty good control of them. You just can't go as fast as you normally would. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's a riot, man. I mean, I've actually never done rush, but I've done in corner Canyon. Their, their favorite thing is to ride out to the bridge. If you've done the bear. Yep. Bridge. Suspension yep. Bridge. yep. They, think, they think that's pretty cool. Um, we've done Ann's trail and then we've just done a lot of stuff around the neighborhoods. The, the easiest way to do it. Got it. If you yeah, said yeah. rush, I would question your parenting abilities. <laughs> oh, we just skipped and went straight to Jacobs and, and just hit it hard. It was awesome. He's got a bomb, man. Well, I don't think any amount of carbon fiber upgrades are going to cancel out a 45 pound kid on there. So good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. So e bike right. e would be the solution. There. Yep, yep. <laughs> Let's not go there because that's a whole nother conversation. So, <laughs> um, okay. I have a question before we get to the question questions. Let's do it. Eddie HR, where does it, was it like we were good friends or is it stand for something? Where does Eddie come from? So Eddie HR actually comes from a famous surfer in Hawaii and his name's Eddie, Eddie would Hawaii. go. Uh-huh. And so he was a lifeguard and he was just dedicated to like saving people's lives and helping them out. And he was a, a famous surfer and our founder, Travis Hansen, um, is a huge surfer. And so uh, that's kind of how the two tied together was that story of Eddie. And then it's just a, a cool catchy name. So it, it caught on and now we're Eddie HR and we love it. Wow. It for Landlock, Utah, that's a pretty, I, I like it. I mean, <laughs> a little bold, right? Yeah. I mean, desert country out here, mountain biking territory, and we're going surf central. So I like it. Right. So, well, Miles and I will go do iFlow in thinking about Eddie HR. So uh, with that, I, that had nothing to do with anything, but thank you for answering, Jordan. So <laughs> no, no worries. I, I was just hoping we were going to talk about mountain biking the whole time, but we can talk about Eddie all you want. <laughs> oh, well, I think I do want to borrow your little seat to give to Miles and put on 45 pounds so that I can keep up with him. That's the hope. Miles keeps saying, let's go out. I'm like, no, I'm not ready to ride with you yet. So done. Okay. Maybe Miles can carry me up the hill. Yeah, well, we we can do the bungee cords on mountain bars, and we'll just trail it, or we'll make a train, and we'll all go up together. Yeah, there's actually a product sold like that that you can strap it to your kid's bike or your buddy's bike and help pull them up. There you <laughs> that go. sounds like a horrible. That sounds like a horrible idea. I'm not pulling anybody's kids up. <laughs> Fair just, enough. Just, so. <laughs> oh, so let's another question back to Eddie. So. Let's talk about what does Eddie do in a general sense, and we'll get in there a little bit, but what's your demographic? Who are you looking to work with? Yeah, so I mean, our founder, going back a little bit, uh, Travis, he, uh, he played basketball in the NBA, went pro there, and went to Europe and played for like 10 years. And when he got back, he just wanted to help people. And so um, he met with Blake Rooney, the founder of New Skin, and he's kind of his mentor. And he's like, you know, Travis, the, the best way to help people is to start a business, you know, it gives them purpose, it gives them a job, it gives them income. Um, and so all these great things. And Travis took that to heart and he started several businesses now. And uh, Eddie HR is kind of his baby. But uh, with that being said, when he started those business, like none of them had great like HR or payroll tech. And so he used multiple providers um, throughout the country uh, for payroll and different services, stuff like that. And he never found one that was just great. And he saw things like Workday and Namely and you know, Kronos and UltiPro and all these big Ceridian companies that, you know, do things for, for huge companies, but they didn't really cater to the small businesses. And so that's kind of where the business idea sparked is to build a SaaS company for uh, small to mid-sized businesses and give them awesome HR tech. And so that's kind of how it was founded. Huh. I like it. I yeah. the little so guys. 
You say small to mid-size. What are we talking? How big? How small? You know, 25 to 250, 300. I mean, the biggest, I mean, we have some clients that are over a thousand because the software can work for them as well. But uh, we're kind of shooting for that 50 to 250 range is going to be our key target. Got it. Well, that's, that's quick. I, I, well, I'm curious to see how the rest of this goes because that <laughs> right there I like. So, no, that's a huge swath of the demographic of Utah, right? And, and outside of Utah as well, too. But so, so background, Eddie, we know where it's come from. We know you guys are focusing on what have you seen that's, and I don't know how long we're going to ask these questions for, right? The pandemic and COVID stuff. Uh, but what have you, have you seen change because of the pandemic when it comes to HR or the payroll side of things or things that you guys have been able to incorporate because of that and, and had to make a shift to provide a product or a service? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's, that's a great question. And, and I'm going to throw something at you that you may not expect. But how has it affected you guys? I mean, let, let's go there. Like, are you guys working from home more? Are you working from the office? How are you communicating? I mean, what kind of things is it messed up in, in your daily life when it comes to payroll and HR and communication, all that kind of stuff? I think us, like most everybody else, right? We're, we're remote, you know, it's starting to kind of open up back into the office now, but now it's, it's both. It's we're in the office some days, we're in the, you know, at home some days, but then the people that we're interacting with, it's the same for them too. So some days they're in the office, sometimes it's remote. So it's been more of that remote scene, I think for us. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? No, I'd agree. I mean, from a payroll standpoint, I don't know, you know, my paycheck still shows up every, you know, first and 15th. So I don't know what's all happened there, but on the, uh, you guys are fortunate there. There's been multiple companies that have struggled and lost revenues and made it hard to cover payroll. So that is awesome. So that's why, right. but I think, I think maybe the biggest thing is probably the onboarding and training process. Right. So, you know, people have had to change jobs or people have left kind of things and, and families had to relocate. And so being able to bring on somebody new for us and getting them up to the speed and what we're doing has been somewhat of a challenge or just the, the general, how do you, or how do we share the company culture that we've built here with that new employee that's, that's sitting at home working from the back of a, a camera most days. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it difficult, right? It's, it's not the standard protocol or process that you guys had in place. And so if your standard process was, you know, have them come into the office, do training on the first day, get to know people, take them to lunch, whatever reason I've heard many, many, many stories, but you, you can't really do that anymore when you're not allowed to go in the office or you have to wear masks and you have to do this and that and stuff like that. And so uh, taking like a step back, but it, it's sad, but yeah, there's a lot of companies that have suffered and gone out of business or, struggle to make payroll. And so, you know, fortunately the government stepped up in multiple ways and done PP loans and stuff like that. But uh, the companies that didn't get approved and still had to figure out ways to do this and, you know, they lost employees due to COVID or they had to go find and recruit new people. It's, it's really affected them. Um, and I think key parts of that are, are things that we're kind of pivoting and changing the way we're building Eddie and, and catering towards what we call the deskless worker. And so uh, we're going to be adding like some cool stuff with like communication um, we already have amazing technology for like applicant tracking, recruitment, onboarding. But I think some of the key things that are missing is that communication piece. And so like adding an asynchronous video and messaging and uh, announcements and stuff like that are going to be crucial to like the transition of the, that we're going through right now with the pandemic and more people working from home. And so those are some of the cool things that we're going to be adding to Eddie here in the near future, which is awesome. So free suggestion, I won't charge you for this one. Just just incorporate Marco Polo. 
So <laughs> you, no cost for that one. That was totally for you. So you use Marco but, uh, Polo or why do you say Marco Polo? Because we're actually going to add asynchronous video, but I'm curious why you brought up Marco Polo. Well, they were the biggest one for a long time. I don't know if they still are, um, but families would use it. And it's asynchronous video. It's just kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and it was huge. I mean, because it brought in a level besides Teams. Like Teams is great, sure. you know, um, Slack is great, but it's really a text-based conversation. And so how do you develop that relationship? And I think what you're talking about with asynchronous video, bring in that, I mean, the minute you bring in pictures and video, it makes it more personal. So I think what you're doing there makes a lot of sense. Um, so, awesome. yeah, so I'm impressed. So as you talk about the technology side, um, it sounds like you're kind of cradled the grave a little bit on that you've got applicant tracking all the way through, you know, termination. So talk a little about, you know, the services between applicant tracking and termination. I mean, you've mentioned asynchronous video. So you're talking about internal communications, AKA a Teams ish kind of thing or a, or a Slack-ish kind of thing. Um, am, I, am I hearing that right? Correct, yeah, I mean, and to be transparent, we have not yet released that, but it's on our roadmap to come very soon. And so we'll probably start with messaging and then add asynchronous video in, in early Q3, so like July-ish probably. But uh, with that being said, um, yeah, so we've got applicant tracking, recruitment, amazing electronic onboarding. Uh, we can make any document fillable, signable, we have unlimited document storage to keep all their documents there. And so we have a full-blown HRS system, time and attendance, PTO tracking, uh, performance reviews, training and certification tracking, and all those bells and whistles. So yeah, we, we definitely have from cradle to grave for you. So, well, you guys are, oh, sorry, go Chris. No, 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 go. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, you guys are, are checking a lot of the boxes that, you know, some of those things that are like, yeah, those are what everybody needs to have, or those are the things that we're looking at as, as we're going out to kind of shop that out. And I, I didn't want to change lanes, but did you have a follow-up question, Chris? Well, I was just going to say that it's interesting as you talk, and I think for the people listening, I mean, what he's talking about right now is you see in the UltiPros, the big commercial, you know, the, the way enterprise sort of things. The mid-market doesn't tend to, and especially small market, the cradle to grave. I mean, it sounds like you've got a great solution there. Um, I mean, who do you view in that side of things, and I'd like to talk about the HR side here, but you know, who do you view as your, um, you know, who do you bump up against as far as other people, other companies, things like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, the obvious one would just be like our, our neighbor here in Utah, Bamboo HR. I mean, they, they started, what, 13 years ago and it built a, a great product to, to do that. But uh, obviously we felt like we could do it better and, and we've done some cool stuff in regards to the experience, the user experience and the interface. And so, but uh, yeah, they would probably be the closest to us. I mean, we obviously compete with like the ADPs, the paychecks, the gustos uh, as well, but uh, there's not really many that can say they do everything we do with like that 50 employee and below to cater to that, you know, hire to fire, cradle to grave, however you want to uh, terminate that, so. And I think that's kind of where I want to jump in after that is what are some of the challenges that you're seeing in that kind of small group segment and for you guys being so kind of, you know, newer to the market and really trying to address some of those challenges, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing that's maybe not addressed in that segment or other challenges in broad general terms that you guys are trying to fix or, or address essentially? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never thought about that, but I mean, as, as we talk about it kind of out loud, I would say some of the biggest challenges are, you know, 
these employees or these companies, whether they started them five years ago or five months ago, and they have five employees or 50 employees, a lot of them have, have worked for bigger companies and used a Kronos or a Workday or a Namely or whatever it may be. And so they kind of have those expectations and they have a lot of wants, to be honest with you. And so we've been building out a product for three and a half years and it's unbelievable what we built out so far, but we just don't have everything yet, right? And mm -hmm. so um, I would just say it's kind of those me too catch up products that we're still releasing. I mean, we release new stuff every two to six weeks, but uh, I would just say kind of having people using other softwares from big companies and then seeing that we have a ton of them, a majority of them in this, the smaller business package suite, uh, they kind of want what the big boys have too. And so it's just, it's time, I guess. And, and patience, I guess would be the other thing is just, uh, we want it now, but uh, we just, it takes time to build it. So. So to follow up on Miles' question a little bit, you know, we work with all group sizes and, and we've got a number that are down in that 25, you know, 50 range. Um, what do you see as your um, value proposition? I mean, I'm a, I own a company of 35 people, you know, HR is, we, we don't have an HR person, you know, maybe controller is, or maybe me as the owner is doing HR. Um, talk about how you make my life simpler on the HR side, because I'm probably QuickBooksing it. And, yeah. you know, I've got the poster on the wall because I know I have to do that. But outside of that, you know, um, how do you help me there? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, within EdiHR, we actually have three service offerings. And so one is the EdiHR technology, the, the full HRS system, the onboarding, the applicant tracking, all that kind of stuff. We also offer and, and we can run your payroll for you. And so that's a second offering. And then our third offering is we have a fully outsourced HR solution as well. And so if people need like employee handbooks, hiring and firing guides, job descriptions, sexual harassment trainings, we can offer all those things as well. And so if you take like a, a small to mid-sized company with, you know, like you said, 25 employees, we'll say, typically the standard protocol with a company like that is, you know, they hire their first two or three employees. They bring on someone that's like an admin or the receptionist. And that individual, you know, as they add employee three or four, they're like, hey, you know, Stacy or John or whoever it is, could you help run payroll for this employee? And then they add on employee five or six and they're like, hey, Stacy or John, now, now can you actually, you know, do our HR for us and help us get an employee handbook? And by the time they get to 10 or 11 employees, this individual has become a full-time HR person, but they don't have a background in HR. They've never been certified. They don't have a legal background. They don't know how to write legal documents like handbooks and stuff like that that are going to hold up in court. And so I would say the biggest thing was to do is one, we take you off spreadsheets. We take you off paper. We automate everything. You know, we get you out of those filing cabinets and get everything onto the cloud and onto the technology with unlimited document storage, make it super simple to onboard your employees and then just keep you compliant and, and we can turn you into an HR pro. So I mean, I'll, I'll share a, a quick story. There's a client that uh, I'm working with right now. They have about 75 employees. And so this company had that exact story, right? This gal that was working there, I won't mention any names, but uh, she had kind of taken on all the responsibilities and all of a sudden she's their HR person, but she hadn't been certified yet. And so we brought in a solution to help coach her and, and mentor her through that to help her with handbooks and policy guides. And at the same time, I got her into a training class and she's gonna be certified in about 16 weeks. And so she can kind of ditch our services, which, you know, unfortunately we'll lose the revenue on that, but we've helped that person become a certified HR pro and they're going to help their run their company so much better than they were before. 
And so we can take that receptionist or that person, turn them into an HR pro and just make your life way easier by turning everything electronic. And again, I'm repeating myself, but getting rid of those spreadsheets, filing cabinets and paper and all that kind of stuff. So it makes your life pretty slick that way. No, I think that's huge for kind of the progression of a company, especially when you're talking those smaller as they can start to grow. You know, those are some, some pretty quick growing pains. Um, I kind of wanted to, to circle back to, to my initial comment was, you know, Jordan, you've worked at several different, you know, payroll companies. You've worked in, in several different industries at that time and HR related type field. And, you know, we brush shoulders a ton in the HR community. And so I really wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit. And, you know, when you're looking at Eddie or if, you know, our listeners here can have probably noticed that the last couple of episodes, you've been talking this kind of payroll, HRAS, Ben Admin kind of theme here. But in your mind, if a company is sitting down, right, they're starting to grow or maybe they have something in place currently or trying to get off QuickBooks, whatever, but they're looking to say, hey, what's our next step or our next direction? You know, should we go this company, this vendor, this solution? What are some things that you've seen or should be at the top of the list, I guess, uh, of things they should be considering outside of the everyday, you know, price and, you know, those types of things. But, you know, what, you know, talk a little bit about that or what kind of your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, the elephant in the room, right. You set it up front price is, is always going to be a key thing. Right. And so no matter how big or small your company is, the first thing they're going to be concerned about is price. And so um, that's something we do pride ourselves on. We do have a very affordable solution. But uh, I would say the next key thing is like, and this is me like throwing myself under the bus, but like, there's no perfect payroll HR system, right? We're trying to build it, but we're- Oh, no, come on, <laughs> come on, Jordan, they exist. You can't tell people that, come on. It's, unicorns are true, are, are also real things, Jordan, so. I, I have two in my backyard, so if you guys wanna come see them, I mean, they're really pretty. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I, your point's right on, right? There is no perfect system. Partially because how do you, people do things differently and this doesn't work. Yeah, every industry is so different in every company size, demographic, location. I mean, there's so many variables. And so I would say the key things to look for in a company would be, you know, one, make sure you have a price you can afford, right? That's affordable and fair. Two, and, and one of the most important things is make sure you're talking to someone that knows what they're talking about. Um, uh, because if they're going through your pain points and going from your hire to fire, and trying to truly understand how your company runs and everything functions, if they can't help you improve those processes or walk you through them, how are they going to sell that or pitch that to their implementation, excuse me, implementation team that sets them up so that things are set up properly, right? And so, you know, talking to an expert, make sure you trust the person you're working with. And then I would say maybe the third, but most important thing is, is customer service, right? You don't want to have to call into someone that you've never talked to before that works in a group and you know, doesn't have any experience with your company, you're calling with a payroll question, but they work primarily on the time and attendance solutions. So uh, I think we've eliminated that at Eddie and, and added a single point of contact that you can call, text, and email. But yeah, communication and, and customer service is key to having an awesome company to work with for payroll and HR. So I want to go back. You mentioned about keeping people compliant as part of all of this um, or helping them become compliant or, you know, becoming a an expert. I don't think many, you know, in the space are necessarily saying I want to be an expert because I'm trying to run a business or, you know, we're trying to do payroll or, or whatever the case may be. But the compliant thing, you know, we run into people that are just like, oh, I, they don't know what they don't know. And then there's so many other things on their plate. So talk through that compliant part, because I think um, that's very interesting. How do you go about that 
um, and be a little more specific because I think we've got people that are going, I don't even know what he's talking about being compliant on other than I've got my poster on the back wall, right? So. Yeah, I mean, compliance, it can be with payroll, it can be with the HR stuff from, you know, throwing a couple things out there, running, you know, annual sexual harassment trainings to making sure that you're, you know, paying people if you're in multiple states under the right, you know, Fed IDs and state numbers and that you're compliant with all those kind of things. You mentioned one earlier, having your labor law poster up on the wall. And so um, we do have a service with our outsourced HR. They can actually do an audit up front. And so it'll be a questionnaire that we go through and kind of make sure that you're compliant on it. And so if that's a service that someone elects, we can do that audit. And then we would stage it out over usually a year, to be honest with you. And uh, they would become their fully outsourced HR solution. It's a single point of contact. They can go through all those questions, both on payroll and HR, go through all their states they work in, all their you know, policies and guides and stuff they have within their system and do that really thorough audit to make sure they're compliant and, and make sure that uh, they're good to go. So it's, it's kind of a nice service that way. Got it. One thing we, and thank you for that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. One thing we bump into a, a lot, it seems when people are talking about payroll and, and HRAS and all the rest of it, and you hit on that you have it, talk about your timekeeping and how that looks what you know maybe is unique about it or it just works because that's something that again you know as you're talking 50 to 50,000 um, timekeeping is an issue and I think yeah. that's something that's compelling yeah I mean again I mean this would I guess I, I wouldn't say it's a, a downfall but it's it's a part of being a newer company um, we have some really awesome things with our time and attendance you know we're releasing our app next uh, next month and so with that, they'll be able to have the one single point where they can log in, clock in, clock out. Um, there's timesheets you can see in real time with spreadsheets. Like There's a live dashboard so you can see who's in the office, separated by like locations, departments. Obviously, we have all the, the necessary things in regards to approval processes. Um, so they'll have their scorecards and their, their uh, time and attendance cards and everything like that. But uh, cool things that we just recently added is like job costing. Um, next, we're going to re release labor distribution and geofencing and time punching. But uh, I would say still, we have so a couple things to add on to our time and attendance solution. But we're probably only about three to six weeks away from really competing with the big boys on that. But uh, I guess it just depends on every company. So um, again, this is maybe being super transparent, like a construction company that does job costing, labor distribution, and needs those allocations for like government reports. It's probably not the best solution, but we have integration. So like, we can integrate with T-Sheets and we can have you use that time and attendance solution instead. So we do have options around that, but uh, we have a, an awesome time and attendance solution, but it's, it's you know, the, the probably best for the, the 100 and below clients right now. In well, and you hit it on the head, right? Nobody can be everything, yeah. but if you can talk to everybody, it changes the conversation. So um, sure. having those integrations, that's a big deal. Yeah. Man, we, we've covered a ton of ground, Chris. We're, uh, we're rapid fire against you, Jordan, and you're just uh, standing your ground here. Anything we're, we're missing? Um, I don't think so. I mean, unless you want to talk about more about mountain biking. I mean, that's kind of the topic I thought we were going to talk about. Today. <laughs> no, you just keep for all of you who don't want to listen to mountain biking, thank you so much, Jordan. We appreciate you being on the call. <laughs> um, we're going to go back and talk about Corner Canyon for another 10 minutes. So, uh -huh. yeah. But, no, I mean – Obviously, the, the space is changing a lot. Uh, people are working from home. People aren't sitting at a computer all day. They're going from the office to a remote space. 
I mean, I've heard all sorts of creative things that are coming out right now for workspaces and people doing things. And so I would say like the big thing that we're kind of moving forward to is the, that deskless worker, we're calling it. And so that all-in-one solution that uh, whether you're on your cell phone, a tablet or computer, it's one app, you log in, you can, you know, update your pay stub or W4 information. You can, you know, clock in out, you can request PTO and get it approved. You can communicate with your uh, coworkers through that one app instead of logging into Slack and Marco Polo and all the different things. And so that deskless worker and the app is kind of our big things that we're pushing over the next, you know, three to six months. And I, I would say that's kind of the exciting stuff as we, you know, suffer through this pandemic. But the exciting part is mask mandates have gone away in Utah. And I went to a, two different places today and I didn't have to wear a mask in there and it was awesome. So things are changing, but uh, it's exciting to see as we kind of revolutionize HR tech and make it easier for people that are kind of on the go. Yep. No, I agree. And, and, and to your point, I mean, they're changing, but the deskless worker isn't going anywhere. How much is open for debate, but that's definitely something that's staying. So it sounds like you've got some good solutions for that. So for sure. Uh, let me ask you. So somebody's interested. How do they track down Jordan at Eddie? And it's E-D-D-Y for those of you asking, but how do they find you, Jordan? Uh, I would say the easiest way is probably LinkedIn. I mean, I'm more than willing to share email, cell phone number and stuff like that. But uh, I do have a decent presence on LinkedIn. You can message me there. I would love to help you out in any way that I can. Um, I've been known that if we're not the perfect solution for you, I'll, I'll even refer you to competitors. But uh, I truly just try and find out what's the best solution for you and how I can help you out. And that's what matters to me most. So, Perfect. Well, thank you. Awesome. Let's do this. Let's, uh, in all seriousness, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we're going to do a three, two, one countdown, make a break. And then if you got another 10 minutes, Jordan, I'd like to do a little bonus episode and let's just chat about mountain biking for a few minutes. Consider it done. I'm in. Okay. Done deal. Well, thanks everybody for, for attending today and Jordan, we appreciate your time, but yeah, let's uh, hear Jordan. I mean, I asked you Jordan, what uh, your favorite biking experience was and we got off on that tangent of hauling kids up the hill. So maybe we'll, we'll start off with that. My favorite mountain biking experience or yeah. biking experience in general. We've had a lot of people that have talked about, you know, doing the epic gap jump on their Schwinn when they were like eight. Right. But <laughs> so, so hey, the sky's the limit. So uh, I would guess what really got me obsessed with mountain biking is uh, I was kind of getting into road biking and then I switched and got a mountain bike and I'd go up to corner Canyon and, and do those trails, which are great. Um, pretty basic, but super fun. Um, and I did that for a couple of years, but I was riding, you know, once a week, once every other week, something like that. But uh, my brother-in-law called me one day and uh, this was in like June, end of June. And he's like, Hey, we're going to Tahoe next week and doing a, a race. You want to come down there? He's like, you don't have to do the race, but you can come stay in our house and hang out with us. And there's awesome mountain biking down there. It's like, sweet. You know, I, I took my family when we went down there. And so if you haven't ever biked in Tahoe, it's one of the prettiest places ever but uh, they have a trail called the Flume Trail. And so I went and did this with a bunch of my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. And uh, you climb up like a thousand feet, but then you basically go around like this cliff edge of the entire lake. And it's just super pretty and really cool. And so I did that. It was like, you know, a 12, 14 mile ride, which wasn't too intense, but it, it still beat me up a little bit because I hadn't been riding very much. And then the next morning, um, my brother was like, woke me up at like six o'clock. He's like, dude, you're doing the race with some, I'm like, 
there's no way, man. It's like 35 miles and like 5,000 feet of climbing. There's no way I can do that race. He's like, dude, you're doing it. And I'm like, all right, man. So he like went and signed me up, got me all my like race. You know, you have to put on the tag on your bike and stuff like that. And so I go and do this race and it took me like six hours. And, uh, you know, the first finishers are going through in like just under three hours and me, I'm taking more than double the time to do it. And, uh, afterwards it was like the most painful experience ever. If you haven't had six hours in the saddle or, you know, you'd only done two rides, you guys that mountain bike, you know, <laughs> how painful uh -huh. that saddle sore. I mean, I was literally bleeding. It hurt so bad for like weeks. But after that, I'm like, okay, that was amazing. That was the coolest, most pretty trail I've ever been on the day before. I just did a mountain bike race and it just motivated me to do it again. And so I ended up buying a nicer bike and, uh, training a ton and did the race the next year and did it in like, you know, three and a half hours. And it, it was awesome. So, um, that's kind of what got me obsessed and I've been pretty obsessed ever since. So that was about that's, years ago. That's an epic way to start it off, man. And for everyone, that's probably in my mind, the hardest thing to overcome is what you just said, Jordan, the saddle sword. If you can get over that, you're golden. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the people that are like, Oh, I don't need to wear a chamois. What? what kind of drugs are you on? You do need to wear a chamois. I don't care if you put shorts over the top of it. I mean, you want to pad down there as best you can. So, um, so the racing, how many other races have you done? Um, I've probably done five or six. I'm not like a huge racer. I actually just did one this last weekend, which is one of my favorite races because it's pretty chill, but it's called Frog Hollow, six hours in Frog Hollow. And so it's like a 13 mile loop down in Hurricane, Utah. It's, uh, you know, not too super techie. There's like two spots that are kind of technical, but other than that, it's, it's fun, fun, single track, only about, you know, a thousand feet of climbing for the 13 miles. So it's not a really a hard trail to do, but, uh, I did it as a duel with one of my biking buddies and, uh, he did a lap then I did a lap. And so we did six laps in the six hours and just kind of cranked him out and had fun together. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge racer, but I, I do them just kind of motivate me to keep me in shape, to push towards something. But, I, I'm never going to be the one that wants to win the race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Corner Canyon. Uh -huh. What's if you're not hauling kids around? What do you do in Corner Canyon? What's your favorite one? Um, my favorite loop would probably be going, and I don't know why, but uh, I live right at the base of like the equestrian there. Yeah. So I'll take it from the equestrian and I'll go up Ands out to West Ands. And up over to the south side, like South Maple, and then hit a loop and do like either a levitator or a vertigo. And then I love going down back over the side over Eagle Crest onto um, Ghost Falls is actually, it's some people think it's boring, but I think it's the most fun downhill trail out of all of them. I mean, I love Jacobs, I love Rush and stuff like that, but Ghost Falls is absolutely my favorite trail. And then that merges in if you swoop, uh, like swoop across the canyon hollow to lower rush and then finish off on limelight that's probably my favorite loop to do wow so like that sounds like a good ride well i'll have to give a plug for you jordan and so chris you'd asked how you get in, in touch with jordan and i uh, i took jordan up on this what was it last week jordan or the week before maybe at this point but uh, you're big time into the networking side of things obviously building out connections and that's one thing you're big on linkedin is is your new 
mountain biking networking stuff. And so if you're, you're interested in that, I'll, I'll put a plug, like I said, for you here, Jordan, you know, hit them up on LinkedIn. You're doing rides. How often now? Um, I've set it up. So we're doing them weekly. So I, I post a ride every Monday morning. And so this week's depending on the weather is supposed to be Friday at three 30. And we're going to go on the South side of corner Canyon and hit up uh, those loops. I just talked about vertigo, levitate, Zeropa. They're all kind of in the same spot. And so um, we're going to meet at the bottom there and just uh, do a couple laps together. It'll be fun. So what do you think? I mean, as you talk about doing this networking group, um, what do you think is the barrier to entry for somebody wanting to come on your networking group? I mean, how I let's pretend I'm not a good mountain biker or maybe not pretend, but you know, am I going to be intimidated? I mean, I guess depending on your personality and like what you've done to be adventurous, I don't, I don't know how to word it, but like <laughs> um, most of the trails in Corner Canyon are pretty mellow. Uh, we'll probably hit up Eagle Mountain and like I'll announce like once the, the snow starts, you know, coming down, like, like I'm absolutely, we're going to hit the Wasatch Crest. We'll probably go up into Park City. And so I'll, I'll be thorough and, and descriptive when I describe what kind of rides we're doing. But these rides right now, they're, they're super mellow and if you're brand new to the sport and you need me to help you find a bike to rent or to borrow, I have relationships, you know, Fazari likes to do demos and stuff like that. I'll help you get a bike. I'll ride with you. Um, but yeah, we're not going to leave anyone behind. And so even if we need to split up into groups as the groups gets bigger and have like an A team that goes and does the faster loop, a B team or a C team, like we, we're not going to leave anyone behind. We'll still ride with them. So yeah, it doesn't matter your level of experience. If it's your first ride, I'd love to take you out and, and help you get excited about mountain biking. Thanks. So how does your bike compare to Miles? Whoa, whoa, Chris. Because <laughs> wow. Miles got this new bike. Miles with wow. the this, and he's on this old bike. And you're just like, I don't know how you're doing it. So then he upgrades, but he doesn't just like, some people like do incremental upgrades. No, no, Miles just said, screw it all. I'm going, I'm going here. So <laughs> what, are, what are you riding, Jordan? Miles is on a canyon, right, Miles? Miles yeah, is on a the canyon. Bike. Um, I, I currently have, I actually, I'm, I'm spoiled right now. And I, I, I have two bikes right now. So I've got a Yeti arc, which is a hardtail. Yep. And, uh, it's awesome. I actually, I've put 300 miles on that bike this year. And then my other bike is a Santa Cruz 5010. And so a full suspension, like 130 in the back, 140 up front, 27 and a half wheel kind of fun play bike. And I think I've only put about 80 miles on that bike. So I'm, I'm, this is my first hardtail since I was probably 15 and I'm almost 40 this year. And so, uh, hardtails, if you don't have a hardtail, they have changed so much. And with the technology, they're rad. I mean, they are so much fun. Like I would encourage everyone to get a hardtail. So fun. the debate, the debate forever, right? So how is your climbing on the two full suspension versus hardtail? Can you tell a difference on the climb? Oh yeah. It's significantly <laughs> faster. You also tell a difference on the downhill. <laughs> but... <laughs> yep. Your calves become the shocks. <laughs> it, it's really not that bad though. I mean, if you were doing like, I don't know what bobsled or the quarry trail and look that gets pretty chunky Jacobs, you know, that kind of stuff. We're going down to um, St. George and hitting Zen and barrel roll and barrel and all those kind of more techie trails. Yeah. Hardtail. It's still fun. Like I got my PRs on all those trails this year on my hardtail but uh it's gonna be more exhausting that's for sure 
but uh, yeah, they're they're easier to climb up. They're they're less maintenance. Um, they're just they're fun, man. You can whip them around. And uh, if you like, I'll, I'll throw a plug out there for the what got me excited about hardtails is there's a guy named Steve, and he has a YouTube channel. It's called called the Hardtail Party. Okay. And so check it out. Like that's I've watched probably a hundred of his videos when I would do my winter training this winter as I was kind of looking for what kind of bike I want to get this year. Um, because I just bought my hardtail back in like January, but, uh, I watched like all of his episodes and saw the reviews on every single bike out there that was a hardtail. And it just got me stoked to do it again. Cause that's kind of what got me excited about Mike mountain biking in the first place when I was a kid is riding a hardtail. So yeah, hardtails mm-hmm. are rad. That's, that's, I guess I'll, I could talk. Well, about I've, I've done the crest maybe two or three times on my hardtail 29er and I can attest it. It beats you up. I am grateful for the full suspension on that trail. A little more cush, huh? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, the best part I liked about that, what Jordan just said is there's this guy named Steve. It's like, okay, what are you buying it out of the back of a van? <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, obviously there's a ton of channels on YouTube, Facebook that I follow, but uh, his, his channel is the one that got me stoked about riding a hardtail again. And I bought one after I watched it. So I guess it, it's working, right? Yeah, well, for sure. So question for Miles and Jordan, same question. So Miles first, Jordan, I'm going to give you a second to think about it. Dream mountain bike location. Miles? Dream mountain bike location. That's a tough one. Um, I, I watched a couple of weeks ago with my kids. There's a ride and I think it's the Swiss Alps or French Alps. I'd have to go back and check again, but you literally go to the very very top of the mountain and it's all snow for like the first five miles you're just bombing it through snow but then it it dries out and you're doing roads and stuff and they probably release like 500 people at the starting and and literally only a handful ever make it to the bottom because either your bike blows up you pop a tire or you wreck somewhere but I think that just looks amazing I'm all about the downhill I'll be honest you guys talking about climbing not my thing when it talks to the downhill I'm all about it so it's a pretty interesting ride. I think it ends up being like 35 miles of downhill or something crazy like that. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Jordan. Well, I've got a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) You have to go with two. If I were to pick two, like I've, I've never done Whistler. So I've always wanted to go to Whistler and ride the bike park up there. I think that would be a blast. Um, Location two would be, this is ironic, but I've seen a couple of videos on it lately is, have you guys seen Bentonville, Arkansas? It's yeah, the- it's awesome. Those yeah, two Walmart cool. air grandkids. I wish yeah. I had that kind of money. It looked, it looks amazing. I mean, they, they put like 75 million into the trails. It's the headquarter for Walmart. And so they've dumped the money into it, but like you can be riding down the main street in Bentonville and then take a sharp right. And you're on an amazing mountain biking trail. And so wow. kind of cool, but the most epic thing I want to do is I want to just throw my bike in the back of my truck or van or whatever and go take like a seven or 10 day road trip and go up, start in Utah, go hit Boise, Idaho, just above the mountains up there. There's some pretty sweet stuff. Go to Oregon, Washington, and then go along the coast in California and hit up the trails there and then come back. I think that would be my dream, like 10 day vacation to go do that. That sounds fun. Okay, Chris, your turn. You can't, uh, can't can't leave us hanging. So, um, I know that on Grand Cayman Island, there is a mountain biking track that was built by these dudes that built, that are big mountain bike trail makers in New Zealand. 
and a private person paid for them to come to Grand Cayman and they were using like crushed coral to build the berms and stuff like that. Wow. That's where I want to go and, and give it a shot. I mean, Whistler, I'm not into the bike park as much. Um, that sort of scares me a little. I haven't, I, I think I have the technical ability, but I haven't got the, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do this, jump this gap. Um, but, and then uh, New Zealand, I think would be super cool. Um, you know, there's probably some places, I mean, I haven't been to Fruta, which supposedly they've done really well. Um, but Bentonville, surprisingly enough, I read about that. Oh, 18 months ago. And I'm like, wow, that sounds kind of awesome actually. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Arkansas, but I, I, I think I've been to like 40 ish of the 50 States and I haven't been to many of the Southern ones. And so just to go experience that Southern culture and go mountain biking in Arkansas sounds like a blast to me. Yeah. You figure out the Bentonville trip and uh, Miles and I'll figure out how to go with you. Done. <laughs> Done like, deal. Go next week or when's this, what's when this happening? <laughs> Give me a time frame. <laughs> so <laughs> my Spartan race just got moved from June to August. So my June just opened up a little bit. So that's awesome. So are you a runner as well? Um, I, I did a Spartan cause uh, one of our account managers, Samantha, is like, let's do a Spartan. Well, she backed out on me. And I'm like, well, I signed up, so I'm going to go. And I thoroughly loved it. And uh, turned cool. out I was more competitive. I like, like I could actually compete way better than I thought I could. And so I said, oh, sure, let's do the whole, they call it the trifecta. Uh -huh. um, so I'm doing a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon through the course of the summer. Um, no, I'm not really a runner, but so be it it is what it is um i want to be a runner i just read born to run by christopher F i forget his name anyway uh it, it, i was crying at parts i'm like i can do this i can do this so, <laughs> but i'm more a road biker um i mountain bike because people got me into it but i enjoy it it's fun Nice. So like, are you on like an XC type bike? Do you like doing kind of the long days in the saddle or what, what kind of riding do you like to do? No, on the mountain bike side, I like the, I'm into the, the climb and the downhill. So okay. I have a, a Cannondale um, trigger cause it kind of goes both ways. I can flip a switch and it changes the suspension. Yeah. Um, but, yeah so I like it. Um, I helped coach the Harriman high mountain biking team for a couple of years. My daughter was on it and um, so that was a lot of fun. So as your kids get older, are you, would they go to Corner Canyon? Yeah, my, my 12 year old, I, I've been trying to convince him for the last like four years to get, get obsessed with me mountain biking. He, he rides a little bit with me, but he's into football and it's during the same season as the mountain biking. Mountain and so, biking. Yeah, I, the, the lady that uh, runs Corner Canyon, the coach, her name's Whitney Pope for Corner Canyon. Yeah. He lives like two blocks down from the street from me and she's always telling me to come ride with him, but I just can't dedicate that time to riding with them when their, their times are so inconvenient, <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. the summer when they ride at night. So. Well, totally. Totally. So, well, this has been fun. Thanks all. Yeah. yeah. No, you have me on. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Okay. Well, we'll talk to y'all later. Okay. Appreciate it guys. Have a good one. Hit the trails. Let's do it. Thanks everyone. Bye. See you guys.